I want you just to start with me over Mark uh, chapter 11. You know, the chapter that people think that Brother Hagin couldn't have preached anything but from Mark 11. And uh, you know that Jesus in Mark 11, he curses the, the tree and, of course, it withers from the root up. And in verse 20 in the morning, as they were, uh, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree you curse is withered. Listen to what Jesus says. Have faith in God, he answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, everybody say, says, says, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says, say, he, says he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you have held anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Now, what's interesting about the scriptures, it tells you uh, something about what Jesus believes about your ability to move mountains by faith. It's unquestionable that Jesus moves mountains by faith. But this teaching isn't about, hey, I can move mountains by faith. His teaching is you can move mountains by faith, amen. And a big part of your moving that mountain is what you do with your mouth. So I want to talk to you about this for just a moment. You know, um, if you are in a battle, say I might be in a battle, you might be tempted to think, well, I'm believing, I'm getting the Word of God in, I'm speaking the Word of God, and it seems like not that much has happened. That's where the devil gets a lot of people to throw their faith down and walk away from the things of God because there's a delay in them receiving from God. Where if they just persevere just a little bit longer, they would see things manifest in their life. Now, you either believe what Jesus said here or you don't believe it. You either believe that what he said about his, his, his virtues and his goodness and his provision and his power are true, or you don't believe it. And the bottom line is, uh, you, it's a choice to believe the Word of God. Yes. Say it with me, I believe, I believe by choice. And so there's some reasons why, you know, things aren't manifesting maybe as, as much as you want to. But I want to encourage you, no matter how long it takes, keep your mouth on the Word of God. You don't want to find yourself contradicting what God has said. In other words, there's the mouth of God and there's the mouth of the believer and they need to be one. There are three possible opinions in every situation on this, alert, on this earth. One is the opinion of God. One is the opinion of the devil. And one is your opinion. Your mouth is the deciding factor in your situation in your life. Who are you going to line up with? The more pressure that's on you or the more delay you might be experiencing, the more you're tempted to move your alignment to not what God said, but to what the enemy actually thinks. So in other words, if God says up, what does the devil say? Now, if God says right, what does the devil say? It doesn't make any difference what it is. He's going to contradict what God has said in his word. And the release of that belief, the release of that force is by, the, by what you say and not just what you actually believe. Well, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go back to living in a way where I agree with the devil. No. Haven't you already tried that before? What you want to do is make sure you're agreeing with the Lord. And how you do that is agree with his word. So the first problem might be a, a coding issue, say a coding issue. We talked about how that we program our lives for success or failure by the things that we put in our eye gate, our ear gate, what we say out of our mouth. And you could have had the wrong things inputted. And if it was 
coded incorrectly, you can't expect to see the manifestation of the Word of God. You can't code in religion and expect to get the results of the Word. You can't code in man's philosophy or his filter over this earth and expect to receive from God. You can't code in what, what natural man thinks or what society thinks. You know, you know, we can codify sin in this nation, whether it's abortion or illicit and unscriptural and biblical sexuality. We can code it all day long. It's not going to change God's word. And it's also not going to change accountability. We're just now starting to understand by, by uncovering Pompeii just how wicked that place was. And I'm telling you that no man can tell God that, you know, I know what your word says, but it's archaic and it doesn't apply to us anymore. Once you start doing that, you become a God unto yourself. And sooner or later, there's accountability who live that way and think that way. Don't you be one of those that turns from the word of God because society is voting against you. There is no vote on biblical morality. No. It is what it is. You're either lining up with it or you're going against what God has said. And this is not a time to play games, you know, with his words. It's a time to stand up and be true to what he has said and don't bow to the pressure. But if you've been putting the wrong thing in, man's ideas and philosophy and his good ideas and what religion says or what society says or what Congress voted on, and that's going to be the law for you, you're going to be messed up. Amen. What you code in, what you put in consistently is going to determine what you believe and whether you actually have success on this. Um, it's not just believing anything, it's believing what God said. Yeah. Come on, say it, I believe, I believe what, God said. what God said. You say, well, how can I tell how my mouth is doing? How can I tell maybe if my inputs are right? Just listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Brother Hagin said it best. You can, he can spend 30 seconds with somebody and tell where they're at spiritually. But watch this. It's your faith level, but it's not just that. Every fruit of the Spirit, its presence or absence is indicated by the words of your mouth. Every single dimension of the fruit of the Spirit. I find out where somebody is in a love walk just by listening to the words that they say, and not just the ones that they say in public, the ones they say in private to their family, the ones they say to their spouses, the ones they say to themselves when no one else is around. You can tell real quickly if their love walk is, is appropriate, consistent by the words that they are saying. Your words will reveal a walking uh, with God in love and with people or something that, that really indicates a problem. Same thing with love and same thing with joy. We can tell real quickly what your joy level is just by listening to what you have to say. And so what does that mean? You're, you speak in, in ways that are contradictory to joy, and that has nothing to do with your circumstances to what other people are doing. We like to say my joy levels because everybody around me is a nut. No, no. Your joy levels based on what you've been coding in. It's a reflection of your spiritual health. It's a reflection of, of what you're actually doing. But if you want to know whether things are right with you spiritually, listen to your mouth and your mouth will indicate your love level your joy level, your peace level, your patience level, your kindness level, your goodness level, your faithfulness level, your gentleness level, and your self-control. If you'll go through each of those things, each of those nine fruit can be absolutely revealed, its absence or its presence in your life by the things that you are saying. And it's incredibly quiet in here tonight. Because if you are honest about it, you say, well, I've not been all that kind. What does that tell you? There's something wrong. How do you know we're not being kind? Because the mouth of God, the mouth of the believer is going to absolutely reveal that there's a problem there. 
uh, today. Uh, it's very common for everybody to be a critic, everybody to be an expert on everything, you know, and don't have any problem slamming people with absolutely no sense of whether the Bible... Can I tell you something? That even if you're on Facebook or social media, you're still supposed to be a Christian. Amen. People will do and say things on social media. They would never say to someone even behind their back, person to person. But somehow they feel empowered. This invisible shield protects them from what? God still sees it. You better check your heart before you type something. Because he sees it. You're under the same obligation on social media that you are interpersonally with people. Amen. Let no unwholesome communication come out of your mouth or out of your keyboard. Amen. How much unwholesome communication? No. And you'd be amazed where everybody's licensed to do this. Everybody's an expert. Everybody criticizes. Can you imagine... Somebody going into the OR tonight and pushing Dr. Dowdy out in emergency surgery and saying, you know what, I watched two YouTube videos and I watched a, a Mayo Clinic video and I'm going to do this surgery. Could you imagine? <laughs> Happens all the time. Isn't that right, Jackie? Dr. Google is always called upon these days. It's the same situation. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Look, I am not going to get on a plane with somebody that says, I've been to Dave and Buster's. I've been doing that simulated flight thing for, for hours. I'm not getting on that plane. There's no way. Amen. <laughs> and everybody just, just a little bit exposure to something they hear, something they're exposed to, something they think is correct. And all of a sudden, wow, I, I can stand on that platform now and criticize. You know what happens? Knowledge and revelation on something actually makes you more humble, not more critical. I can tell you real quickly, if your revelation has benefited you, by how critical you're becoming with other people. That's not how the fruit of the Spirit works. And in fact, the more you know, the more you don't know. <laughs> I mean, the more you're exposed, you got, I, I just, I don't know nothing. I mean, I had that experience going to graduate school. What I thought I understood of the Word of God, when somebody, you hang around, somebody has more revelation and knowledge, you find out you're just scratching the surface. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're just scratching the surface on everything. Amen. Years ago, they, you know, discovered penicillin and what a, you know, amazing breakthrough that was, but they were just scratching the surface. And guess what? We're just scratching the surface now. So you know that your heart is right, your mouth is communicating things that are correct, but if you're not careful, you begin to be haughty and puffed up and, and, and abundantly critical instead of humble with the things God has given you. Amen? In other words, all you have to do is listen to your mouth to see how developed you are in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? I hear some of you right now saying, well, I'm just not talking anymore, bless God. I'm just not going to say another word, huh? Won't be bad if it takes that. Amen. Glory to God. We can tell you how you're doing with love by the words of your mouth. We can tell you how you're doing with joy by the words of your mouth. We can tell you how peaceful you are by the words of your mouth. We certainly can tell you how patient you are by the words of your mouth. Amen. We can tell how kind you are by the good by the content of your mouth. We can tell how good you are by what? The content of your mouth. How faithful you are. By the words of your mouth, we can tell how gentle you are by the words of your mouth. And we can tell you the degree of self-control in your life by the words of your life. So it all has to do with coding and then monitoring and making sure if you really want to see the saying part produced for you. Because in this scripture in Mark, the Lord emphasizes saying more than believing. Isn't that interesting? It's not just believing. 
it's also saying. Say that with me. It's not just believing. It's also saying. So the bottom line is we can never code with things that contradict the word and then produce biblical results. And over time, the devil loved just to taint and poison, you know, the content that's in there. How you do that? You know, by exposing yourself to things that are, that are not really of God, they're not really born of the Spirit, they're not based on revelation of the Word of God, they're man's opinions. I mean, I get tickled to people who say, well, there, there's no present day ministry of the Holy Ghost, you know, these things have passed away, miracles were just to prove that Jesus, you know, was divine. Well, Jesus didn't have to prove he was divine. You know, when you are something, you don't have to prove anything. He did what he did and he does what he does today because of love. And I can tell you this, if we needed the Holy Ghost in the first century church, we need him more than ever now. Craziness is abounding. Stupidity is abounding. Weakness and anemia are abounding in the body of Christ. We need him more. So once I find out somebody is a secessionist when it comes to the Spirit of God, there's nothing else I need to hear from them. Because they're not being taught by the present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. They're being taught by hyper-emphasis on the intellect and on religion and tradition. And the Bible says that tradition makes the Word of God of what? Of none effect. So you're either pro-Word or you're pro-tradition. You're pro on the Word of God or you're pro on the teachings of men. And Jesus, of course, contradicted that. He's walked the earth. One of the reasons they got so mad at him is because he wasn't teaching their traditions. He was teaching the Word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the same way it's done today. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God. Say, thank God, thank God for the Holy Ghost. We need more than we ever need before. Amen. Amen. And uh, all I can tell you is that you that have experienced what Jesus said in John chapter 7, and when he met with his disciples after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1, and then the Spirit of God was poured out in Acts chapter 2, and you have received that, believed that, you're walking in that, you're a blessed person today. Say with me, I am blessed of God by being filled with the Holy Ghost. It changes everything. Transforms everything. Life in the Spirit. So you're never going to get biblical results uh, when you're coding with the wrong things, the wrong input. Turn to somebody and tell them, make sure it's the Word of God. And anything that would contradict the Word of God, you don't have to get violent about it. Just set it aside very gently and lovingly and say, no, I just can't entertain that because it is not consistent with what the Word of God says. It's derived from tradition. Um, I tell you that uh, a, lot of, a lot of good people have been used of God to, to break through some religious barriers. We owe them a, a great uh, debt of gratitude in the body of Christ and the history of the body of Christ. We owe a great debt of gratitude, and yet it's the Spirit of God that gave them to them. And how do you understand men and women of God who receive revelation or power from God, they had to put themselves in a position to receive that. They had to be in a position where they could actually hear from God. Martin Luther, for example, who prays four hours a day because he said, I can't get anything done unless I do. To him comes this amazing revelation of justification by what? Faith. By what? Faith. Uh, it's not about church sacraments. It's not about membership. It's not infant baptism. It's what? It's justification by faith. That's how someone is saved. We owe an enormous debt of gratitude to someone who paid a heavy price for this. He was not congratulated in his day. No, he, wasn't. he wasn't praised in his day. Um, 
He was also not praised because he actually spoke in tongues, operated in the things of the Spirit. Same thing with the Wesley brothers. I saw with my own eyes a journal in St. Simons, Georgia, written by one of the Wesley brothers that spoke of how he profusely spoke in tongues, cast out devils, prayed for the sick, raised the dead. You might have an idea where the sinners of God came from. Spirit-filled Methodists who wanted more and more of God. We owe a gratitude, you know, gratitude to people who have paid the price. In our day, we've had people pay the price over healing, over the Word of God, over the, over the revelation of the Word, over the things of the Spirit. Like John Osteen, when he started preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost of Baptist, he was not applauded. They thought he had lost his mind. On a Wednesday night, they had a trial. They're going to boot him out of the entire church after he pastored so well there for years. And so they started the trial and they began to say, you know, well, this teaching about the baptism and, and laying hands on the sick and serve, that's not in our handbook. He raised up his Bible and said, well, it's in this book. Amen. And the man that started all this, finally they called upon him. Well, you know what? You're the one that brought this up. What do you have to say about this before you take a vote to receive, to accept him or, or reject him to send him on his way? And, uh, you know, he stood up and he said, I'm sorry, but uh, I went to a full gospel business meetings meeting last night and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and I speak in tongues. I can't say a word about what Brother Osteen's doing. So was the move in the 70s and 80s. And today people will stand in their pulpits and say these things aren't of God. The price that was paid to restore New Testament, first century Christianity, have been extreme. We owe a great debt of gratitude to these people who stood in the gap, took the persecution. So, needs to say they didn't vote him out. But instead, several of those people just would heckle him when he would preach. He'd say, Jesus heals, delivers, and sets free. No, he didn't. I mean, they'd do it right there in the service. He'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost. He'd be praying for people in the altars, like it was Baytown, Baptist Church in Baytown. He'd be laying hands on people. They're getting healed and people heckling about what he's doing. Let me tell you something. The spirit of heckle is never from God. You were dancing with the devil when you're heckling the man of God and heckling the spiritual gifts and operation. And you're dangerously close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit when you're doing it. A price was paid. I said a price was paid. We should thank God he was willing to take all the guff, amen, and all the criticism. And down through time, I mean, Catherine Coleman, pay a price for what she's doing. Amen. And you can see the, the amazing way that God used her. But not everybody thought she was wonderful. They made fun of her, called her names, you know, attacked her family. Said she wasn't qualified. She couldn't possibly do this. Well, guess what? God's the one that calls and qualifies. Yes, he does. God's not looking for some human being to sanction what he calls. Remember, he didn't pick the tallest one of David's brothers. He didn't pick the one with the most experience. He picked the one that had a heart after God. Amen. And where is he? He's out there taking care of his father's sheep. That's how this works. He qualifies the cult. He never calls the qualified. In fact, your human qualifications often are a stumbling block for leading of the Spirit of God and doing things the way He wants them done. Amen. We're blessed people. Our heritage, it's a blessed one, but these people paid a big time price to do what they're doing. Amen. Glory to God. Aren't you glad you're one of them? Well, you want to make sure is you don't sit there 
and, and listen to what the Word of God says about healing than listen to some crackpot tell you that there's no healing today. You don't want to sit there and listen to a teaching on the baptism and the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts and then listen to some crackpot tell you these gifts have passed away. By whose authority have they passed away? Did God tell you that? The Word doesn't seem to indicate that at all. Amen. When the perfect comes, you know these things will pass away. The perfect hasn't come. The perfect is Jesus Christ on the Mount of Olives. That's the perfect. When the king is fully restored, that's the perfect. Are you here tonight? I just want to encourage you, you can't mix faith and poison and expect to have your coding correct and expect to receive from God. Amen. Just make up your mind that you're not going to expose yourself to certain things if they're going to pollute and poison and contaminate your faith. And if you have, just say, you know, Lord, I repent of that. Holy Spirit, show me where these things have gotten in and reject them. Do you know that if you're raised in a, in a religious environment from the time you're a kid, you have to unlearn some things. And some of those things are stubborn. Raise your hand if you had to unlearn some things since you were a child about the things of God. You could have learned some things that were completely and totally consistent with the Word of God, but other things that were not. I don't uh, you know, make a, a big deal about infant baptism, but I, I don't remember when I was baptized. Actually, you know, I experienced the new birth. Well, they would say that the church itself, the authority of the church, sanctifies you as a child because you actually have been baptized through that sacrament and everything's just fine with you. But the funny thing is, I, I got uh, sprinkled as an infant and I went through catechism. And when I got into high school, I still felt like I was lost as I could be. Why was that? Why would I feel lost? Because I was lost. <laughs> Unsaved because... I was unsaved. Under conviction, why? Because I was under conviction, in need of a Savior. Why? Because I didn't have one, because you can't do some pronouncement as a church and tell somebody they're okay. Amen. So even in mainline organizations, you have to learn to chew the meat and spit out the bones. Turn to somebody and say, chew the meat, spit out the bones. But in the process of spitting out the bones, don't become the big critic of everybody. Instead, what I can do is say, you know what? I had a pastor that taught me how to walk in the Ten Commandments. I had a pastor that prayed for me when I was sick, going through some health issues. I had a pastor you know, who counseled my parents very wisely when my sister had some issues going, you know, as a teenager. I had a pastor who cast the devil out of my foster brother. Because he was spirit-filled. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty freaky, but pretty impressive. <laughs> Uh, the five-year-old kid that the devil's cast out of, he was in my bedroom. Um, amen. Watch this. I got, a, I got a kid possessed of the devil in my room, and I'm not saved. This was the kid who would have conversations with the devil, and the devil would answer him, and he would reply back. This is a kid with supernatural strength. He could take about a, you know, a quarter-inch bar as a railing on the side of a locker room support, and he could bend that thing with his hand. This kid would sit there in the middle of the night flicking matches in the closet trying to burn the house down. Mom finally put bells on his shoes so she would know where he was when he got up in the middle of the night. In my room. I'm like, why don't you put you know, the fire starter in your room with you? 
Amen. Take the little five-year-old poltergeist and put him in your room. <laughs> and I mean, as a, as a ward of the state, he had the advantage of every kind of, you know, psychologist, you know, psychiatrist, medical doctor, support structure, had it all. And they couldn't do anything with him. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. See, the unlearned and the ignorant think that the Holy Ghost belongs to the charismatic and Pentecostal movement. No, uh, it's much earlier than that. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, he was one of many in seminary that was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they brought him in to see him. And he manifested right there in the office. Supernatural strength, just whatever. Well, you know, the, the pastor is pretty strong too. <laughs> I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Rely on, on natural things? And he cast the devil out of that kid. And I'm telling you, he was as different from day as from night, from that day forward. And nobody was happier than me. Evil's real. No demon's going to respond to you throwing your theology book at them. Well, that was a few years ago, but same devil. Still operating, still moving and manifesting, you know, doing things against the will of God. We need the Holy Ghost. Yes, we do. Amen. So I don't care what your background is. You know, Baptists, everybody say, God bless the Baptists. Lutherans say, God bless the Lutherans. Methodists say, God bless the Methodists. Catholics say, God bless the Catholics. There are born-again and spirit-filled Catholics. So get out of your religion and your thinking because they're out there. They've got some serious flaws in their thinking, but amen. When it pertains to Jesus, they've got that right. Hallelujah. This gift of the Spirit is for all. All who have given their lives to Christ. And it is highly arrogant for any man to stand in a pulpit in a video and tell the world these things have passed away. In a day when we need him more than ever. Where evil is abounding, supernatural forces abounding and manifesting everywhere you go. Kirk Cameron wrote a book for children on, on God's perspective on life. And the same libraries, public libraries, say public libraries, that allow drag queens to read to kids, they won't let him read his book in their library. You think that's natural? No. You think that's natural? Anybody see the cat lady that went to a school board meeting? She dressed up as a cat with a tail and everything. And she said, today I want to tell you that I identify as a cat. I'm a cat. I expect you to, to dress me as a cat. And if you can't do that, amen, because you don't want to enter into my delusion with me, you should basically have the same standard in our school district when a man shows up in pumps and a skirt and out comes this male voice. You should be protecting our kids from this stuff, not facilitating this stuff. Where is that coming from? Well, politicians. No, it's deeper than that. This is the devil himself. All confusion comes from the enemy. God is not the author of confusion, but of what? But of peace. Hallelujah. You need the Holy Ghost. You need his fruit, amen, developed in your life, and you need his gifts and operation in your life more than you ever have. Amen. 
How you doing? Your mouth is going to reveal it. Say it with me. Open up my mouth. My heart falls out. Open up my mouth. And my fruit shows out. Open up my mouth. And I reveal my faith. Or lack of it. Amen. There are no exceptions to that. You want to know how you're doing? With love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc.? Just listen to yourself. Amen. It may not be a matter of coding. Maybe you've been putting in the high-octane, pure Word of God consistently in your life. It could be number two. It's simply a matter of doubt. You need to keep your faith level high and engaged by staying in the Word of God. When he said this scripture, you can absolutely have mountain-moving faith and you deal with things that are in your way and troubling you. You cannot believe and, and say, and at the same time, harbor doubt in your heart. He made it plain. You cannot doubt and see that thing manifest in your life. If it's not doubt, number three, it could be forgiveness issue. There is no amount of confession and right speech that will overcome your unforgiveness. There is no manner, none, no manner of confession and right speech that will overcome unforgiveness in your life. Jesus said, if there's an issue there, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to deal with it. Can I tell you this? That when it comes to forgiveness, it's not, it's not you don't like what somebody did or disagree with them and it's a matter of sin. We're talking about matters of sin against one another. The body of Christ has come to the place where if I don't like something, I can be offended at you and therefore you need to take care of it. It's on you to take care of it. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about sin according to the Word of God. Matthew 18 is talking about sin. And in this case, we're talking about sin. A lot of people are confusing differences of opinion with sin. And they're not the same thing. Listen, don't let society cause you to reduce sin in this world. And don't allow society to cause you to elevate something that's not sin into a sin. In other words, there's already enough sin. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you doesn't mean they're sinning against you. Does that make sense? When they agree with me, then I'll stop being offended. No, you're missing the whole point. That's not the same thing as somebody sinning against you. But if you want your confession to work, you're going to have to forgive. Well, pastor, if it's come to that, then I'm just not going to forgive. I'll just do without. Well, that's your choice. But you can. Amen. You're not. In other words, this, this, this message of faith, believing in your heart and saying with your mouth, this is not going to work if you're walking in bitterness or unforgiveness. This is one reason why a lot of people across the country in the body of Christ never see results because they will not deal with the things in their life that have gone you know, awry. They feel like, well, that person just hurt me too bad to forgive them. You're going to let what that person did to you rob you of all the good things of God? Come on, say it with me. No matter a confession and right speaking will overcome unforgiveness. You can confess all day long, but if you don't forgive, it's not going to work for you. Amen. I know about you, but I'd rather have what God says I can have than walk around in bitterness for the rest of my life. Amen. Everybody in here has reason to be bitter. That doesn't mean you have to take it. Amen. Raise your hand if somebody's ever done something to you stupid or betrayed you, stabbed you in the back, or ran you in the ground. Amen. Broke confidence with you, broke faith with you. Sure. Are they worth you living below your privileges? No. No. 
If it's not a forgiveness issue, and that's a certainly a good place to start because Jesus brings it up, it could be a timing issue. Your words are working, you're just getting impatient. You need to come along with your faith and undergird it with Bible patience. That absolutely has confidence that God is working and these things are manifesting in your life. It's just a matter of when. Everybody say due season. You and I don't control due season. That is not in your department. Look at somebody and tell them that's above your pay grade. Way above your pay grade. Just like when is Jesus coming back? Above your pay grade. But is he coming? Yes, he is. Yeah. So what should you be doing? Faith and patience. And be looking for him and crying out to him. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But you should not mistake a, a delay or a pause or somehow it's not happening on your timetable to the conclusion that he's not coming back. You know, the, you know, the apostles dealt with this. They will mock and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? It's getting worse all the time. And now you have people in pulpit saying the same thing. Oh, it's not really biblical. You know, God's not really going to catch away his church. I'm just going to stick to what the apostle Paul said. He's going to catch away his church. Um, and if you don't get caught away, then fine. I don't know what you're going to do. If you're born again, you're going to be called away. So what are you going to do? Protest all the way up? I want to stay. Thank God some of these things are totally out of our control because we would mess it up royally. But I want to stay. I want this to line up with my theology of the end times. He's not going to care about your theology of the end times. <laughs> It'd be a timing thing. I can't tell you how many people have just walked away from the promises of God. They believed God for six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years, and it was just about to be due season, and they got discouraged. Started believing and talking negatively, started making decisions to take them out of their position, out of their place that God has for them. Do you know that there's a path that God has for your life and every good thing is on that path? You have one thing, just, just stay on that path. And you don't even have to figure out what's around the corner on that path. All you need to do is just focus on that path for today. How many can do that? Amen. Raise your hand if you can do that. You can focus on the steps of the path today. If you do that, you'll run right into what God has ordained for you from the foundation of the world and every benefit he has for you. And right around the bend, it may have taken some years, there's something amazing right there, but the devil talked you out of it, discouraged you. You started agreeing in your mouth with the enemy instead of staying on the Word of God. So it could be a timing thing. But the one I want to just kind of share with you for a little bit um, is it could be a warfare issue. It shouldn't surprise you that um, the enemy is going to oppose the manifestation of your breakthrough. And he'll do it with deception. He'll do it with lies. He'll do it using other people. You understand that uh, he's, a, he's a toothless lion, but he still has a mouth. Yeah. And one man of God said, yeah, and some Christians, all he has to do is gum us to death. It's not about his raw force and power. It's still the same as it always has been. Spiritual wickedness in high places and simple principles where God says something, that, that tree in the center of the garden belongs to me. Do not partake of all the other trees you can have. Do not partake 
of this one. So what does the devil say? He contradicts. Was was that did he come in with lightning bolts and force? No. Did he come in as a supernatural being? He slithered in in the operation of deception. And nothing has changed. And the warfare is very, very real when it comes to seeking God. Ephesians 6.12 says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Come on, shout it out. Not against flesh and blood. If you find yourself fighting against flesh and blood, you're defeated already. Because you're fighting in the wrong arena. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Does that tell you that there's no activity just because Jesus rose from the dead and took back the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave? It does not tell you that somehow they're inactive. They're not. And the enemy would love to take everybody he can down with him. Your job is to be wise in these days. There's a time when Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days for a breakthrough. And it seemed like nothing was going to happen. I'm going to read this to you. You can look in your own Bible in Daniel chapter 10. In verse 10, it says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. Now, I just want to emphasize, consider carefully the words that God is communicating here to Daniel, because they still have relevance for us today. Yes, this is pre-crucifixion and resurrection. What I'm telling you is, pre-crucifixion and resurrection or not, the devil's nature has not changed. There'll be a day when he's locked up, but this is not the day. The devil nor his legions are not locked up today. They're present, and they are active. And um, the Spirit of God just kind of nudges me and prompts me that the next step you're going to see with all of this contradiction of God's purity on sexuality and God's purity on identity and God's standards on life, you're going to see a lot of things that, that, that shock you, even in your own town, even among those people you know, even those you work with. You're going to see an elevated amount of demon possession in our land. Because the door is wide open. So should we be afraid of that? No. The Bible, as it, as it pertained to the apostles in the days of Jesus, he said what? Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. You need to be prepared for these things happening. But you cannot sit there and dance with the devil and not have him move in. So not everything's going to be a demon position. Sometimes it is a mental issue, an emotional issue. Sometimes it is a physiological issue. You have to discern what it is, but you're going to see this. And again, I want to caution you, just because somebody puts up a video of a service where there's demon possession and people casting out devils, don't you dare start making fun of those people. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth off of those ministries. Just because they look different to you and weird, I'm going to tell you something. These things do look strange. Could you imagine in Jesus' day? Could you imagine on the first day the church was birthed, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, how they rolled out in Acts chapter 1, they're making fun of them, saying they're, they're drunk with wine, and they're like, no, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. You will see that mocking has always been there. Anybody remember what happened to the children that were mocking the prophet in the Old Testament? Amen. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to see this. Uh, we're not intimidated by it because we know who we are. We know 
You know, and the one that we believe. We know that we are baptized in the Holy Ghost. We know that we are completely equipped to deal with this. But you just can't be pushing the devil's, you know, constant agenda, opening people up to this stuff, and then not manifest. America's best days are ahead of it spiritually, and its worst days are ahead of it. And you and I are going to have to understand the concept when sin abounds. Grace is about all that much more. So more, you know, satanic activity, more spiritual activity. Um, I don't remember who it was. Somebody we know actually was sent home with a letter inviting their child to participate in the satanic after school club. Um, and the reason they can do that, the reason they can invite kids and have a Satan's club on campus is because they allow Christians to have clubs on campus. So we cannot stop one unless we stop them all. But that's where people are at today. And in the language is, well, we just don't believe in absolutes and we love everybody and we're tolerant. And all this stuff you hear, well, when you hear people speaking about tolerance and you hear people going against the Word of God in the name of tolerance, you know what voice is behind that. That's it. Amen. That's it. Something that Justin said Sunday that's most outstanding. Mark loved and cared enough about us more than he cared about us liking him. That's what people need today yeah. is the strong word in due season and not care if you like them or not. The problem is too many people want to be liked more than they want to be helpful to people. And if you were in college ministry in my day, you know he did not pull any punches. Not to put you down, but to elevate you. Are you here today? And I can tell you a lot of people didn't like that. If you would come to me and Time to time, one couple in particular wanted to get married. And I said, what did your campus pastor say? He said, we should wait until we're out of college to get married. I said, well, you should listen to your campus pastor. Yeah. Did they like it? No. no. But you know, the people that have listened to him are having outstanding lives right now. Blessed. Amen. That's the way it is with you and me. We've got to be prepared for these things. But the doors are being opened wide in school systems across the country, in media and entertainment. Even some churches. Uh, Spurgeon foresaw this uh, in his ministry. I'm not going to say he operated in the office of a prophet, but there are a lot of things he said that were very prophetic because his, he had the pulse of the church. He cared about the church. And uh, they called him Prince of Preachers because he was so powerful, but also because he was able to tell stories in such a way that the listener would think they're watching a movie or a film. He was so good at this. And he said the time is coming when there will not be shepherds who are feeding the sheep, but there'll be entertainers. Listen to this. There'll be entertainers, you know, clowns that are entertaining the goats. Say it with me. I'm no goat. <laughs> well, goats are okay if they're just pacified, told they're okay in the name of tolerance. Sheep have to have the real deal to thrive. They need the meat of the Word of God. Amen. They need to be led by quiet and still waters. Amen. They need to be led and fed a certain way. The point is that uh, the enemy is real, but our God is real. Yes. Say it with me. It greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So if there's, if there's a delay in terms of you speaking, it could be coding, it could be doubt, it could be forgiveness, it could be timing, it could be warfare. There is a delay because of an act of warfare. And it says, he says, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you 
And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were what? Or what? Your first prayer, your first confession was heard. Do you believe that? And if you're confessing and believing according to the word of God, can you have the confidence that God hears and will in fact answer that? Yes. From day one you were heard, and I have come in response to them, speaking of the angel of the Lord. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. You and I sometimes think that we just pray and then there's no interference, there's nothing of the enemy trying to counter this. You know that lots of times when you're asking God, believing God for something, there's a delay, it's because somebody won't pay attention to what God is saying. What will happen is God will inspire human beings to what? To help other human beings. And and those of us in the the faith should be listening. But you know what? There's a very small percentage in the body of Christ that even understand the concept of being a giver. And out of that, there's a few people that actually can hear. And then out of those that can hear, there's just a sliver that will hear and do. Say it with me. I hear and I do. So you, you think automatically, well, you heard me the first day. What's the big deal? What's, what's the problem here? The deal is there's warfare out there. There are things that you can't see. You and I have not been permitted to go completely behind the curtains. There are some things that are described. But there's some things there that you and I right now have no clue about what goes on behind the scenes in terms of the intervention of the enemy and the counter assault of our God. The Bible tells us that the angels hearken diligently unto what? Unto the what? The voice of the word of God. This is how they flow. This is how they operate. This is how they receive their instructions. You and I, no matter what's going on in terms of warfare, have got to keep our mouths on the word of God. No matter how much you think there's a delay, no matter how you feel, amen. You know how you get to know the Lord is through His Word? Say it through the Word of God. And uh, you begin to be led by that Word, not by what you feel. Well, I just feel frustrated. I'm just put out. I'm tireless, you know. I had one person tell me they walked away from things of faith, walked away from faith ministries. And the reason they did is say, well, you know what? You teach everything's just around the corner. It's always around the corner. Well, if you shut your mouth to keep your heart right, maybe you run into it around the corner. In the meantime, I can tell them 25, 30 people I know personally who ran into what's around the corner. And you will if you just stay with it. Amen. But don't be under the uh, misguided notion that somehow you're out there and there's no spiritual opposition to what you're doing. The devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Um, Who said that? Jesus. Jesus. So it must be true. He said, but I have come, that they might have, have life, and life more abundantly to the full, till it overflows. But he never negated the reality of opposition to who he is and what he came to do. Jesus came to demonstrate the devil's defeat, and that's what you and I need to do. So if you're in a, a holding pattern where you, you know, things aren't manifesting on your timeline, you know, so to speak, just understand you're not in a vacuum here. There's warfare going on. But if you persevere, you'll win. The persevering Christian wins every single time. Say it, every single time. I shall win. Hallelujah. Some of you are undergoing this right now, and the devil would like you to think a delay is a defeat, but it's not. 
Take courage in your battle of faith. God has heard you and he's already sent the, the answer. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that God is against you. That God's not going to come through. He's holding out on you. The devil is simply opposing your breakthrough. Remind yourself what Isaiah 65, 24 says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will what? Hear. I don't have the time to go through it, but you study and you'll see for yourself that Satan opposed the breakthroughs of Moses. He opposed the breakthroughs of David, of Daniel, and of Jesus. And you're in great company. You should rejoice right now. <laughs> if he's opposing your breakthrough, you're in very good company right now. Galatians 6.9 tells us, let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what's the only way we lose? Is if we give up. If the devil can't steal your words, he can't take your abundant life in Christ Jesus. That's what he's after to do. Maybe you feel like the demonic forces are challenging your words and prayers. Maybe you feel like your breakthrough is being held back. Well, just like Daniel, what do you need to do? It's persevere. Eventually, the answer comes. Amen. Say it again. Greater is he that is in me than is he that's in the world. Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels, ministering spirits, sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Think about that scripture. Are not all angels? Have you ever thought about that? All angels are working for your inheritance. How special you must be. Keep your word straight during the battle. Keep saying the word and angels will be dispatched to fight your battle and bring your breakthrough to you. Those angels are there to help you, help you tap into and receive your inheritance. And guess what? They always get the job done. Amen. Amen. Say it. They always get the job done. Hallelujah. Do you know that uh, God has appointed protection over you and intervention over your life? If your eyes were open right now, you know what you would see? If, you, if your eyes were open right now, you would see Joy Morgan's overworked angel. He's put in for a transfer. Isn't that right? <laughs> Does he know what he's doing? She was telling me, that the doctor saw her. He said, you know what? I don't, this is not what I expected. I expected you to be in really, really bad shape after what you've been through. But the fact that she's been preserved, is that an accident? No. No. Now, we haven't seen what the angels look like. <laughs> you know, angel airbags, angel bubble wrap. I was telling her, I said, I'm going to get you some bubble wrap for Christmas. And she's like, no, that's not going to do it. <laughs> bubble wrap's just not going to work. Are they real? Yes. They're real. They're dispatched. And they activate and they operate based on the words that are coming out of your mouth. So no matter how you feel, what you think, how much of the delay there is, keep your words on the Word of God, consistent with what He said. Can I have an amen tonight? Keep your words straight during the battle. Keep saying the word of God. What do you do when you've been giving voice to your faith and results haven't come yet? You keep on speaking the word because there's nothing else for you to do. Unless you do what we talked about last week and you start using your mouth to vex and limit the Holy One. Listen to these scriptures again. Psalm 78, 41 from the NIV. Again and again, they put God to the test. They vex the Holy One of Israel. How they do it? With their small thinking, their negative talk, amen, and forgetting about the hand of God and hand of power in their life. Say it with me. Small thinking, negative talk, forgetting about God's hand. That's how, how you do that. 
Again and again, they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. You know, they'd murmur and they'd complain. Why? Because their words were not under control. Their words did not line up with what God already revealed himself as in their life. We don't want to make that mistake. He's been too good to us. Raise your hand if he's been good to you. Come on, raise your hand if he's been good to you. You need to continue with your words consistent with what he has said. And don't get into that criticism. Don't get into that bellyaching. Don't get into that complaining. And I'm not just talking about to other people. I mean when you're all alone. Some, listen, this is the Holy Ghost talking. Some of you, your prayer life is really more of a complaint session. Are you here? No, you don't want to find yourself being a New Testament person of prayer, praying just like people in the Old Testament. It'd have been better if we just went back to Egypt. They've led us out here to be destroyed and to die. We have no meat, we have no water, we have no this, we have no that. Moses is gone, you know, let's make a God to ourselves. Let's, let's retreat, let's back up on God. No, the difference is uh, you don't have a mediator. There's no man that's high priest over you. There is the God man, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, you and I are, are first generation believers with him. We have been given access by his blood. Aren't you glad you're one of the, a New Testament believer? But that doesn't mean we have the freedom to act like Old Testament bums. Amen. Time and time again, the Bible says they vexed him. They turned their back. They tempted him. They limited him. They pained him. They caused him terrible pain. They pushed him to the limit. They distressed him. They grieved him. And he is saying, you know, uh, how did he know all this? All he had to do was listen. Amen. Creflo was in the middle of a building project uh, in Atlanta. And, um, you know, they're building as they went along. And there was a particular day, I believe it was like uh, $1.5 million that was due on Friday. And uh, it may have been Monday. This was like a Sunday. I can't remember the full story. But uh, he's sitting in, in his church office wondering what he's going to say, what he's going to do here. And the Holy Ghost just, just spoke to him and said, look, be very careful the next words that come out of your mouth here. Because that's going to determine whether you have success or failure here. And even though he felt all this pressure, he just boldly would say, you know what? We have all that we need and more to take care of everything in this particular church at this particular time. And instead of getting up there with some song and dance or some sorry story, he just continued to say over and over again that God was their supply, their sowers, they're going to reap. But we have all that we need to complete this project. And that day, not some huge check came in, but that day was more than $1.5, $2 million, something like that, to pay that bill that was due right around the corner. You see, it matters what you say under pressure. Come on, shout it out. It matters what I say when I'm under pressure. And that's one thing you and I all have in common. We're going to be under pressure from time to time. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Stick to what God says. How to program your life for success, according to Joshua chapter 1. Great chapter. Psalm 1 tells us, too, the benefit of right believing, right words, right exposure, right things in your heart. Number one, find out what the code says. Read and study. I didn't say read somebody's book. I didn't say, you know, pull up everything they ever made on video or audio. The Bible itself. Open your eyes, study. Find out what the code says. Find out what the Word says for yourself. Glory to God. How many glad that you have the Word? All these translations, amen, there's certainly one out there that you can understand. 
open it up, read it. You know, I'm not going to argue over a translation. I'm just happy if you're reading one of them. Amen? There are ones that are better than others, but that's beside the point. The devil's gotten people just to close the Bible, period. Well, you can't possibly code in if you're not in the Word of God. Number two, fill your heart with that code. Meditate and memorize. Say it. Meditate, Meditate. and memorize. You're reading and studying. Now meditate and memorize. Think about. Turn it over in your mind. Think about what it says. Put yourself in the story. And do something that people used to do years ago. Memorize the scripture. Absolutely. Memorize what it says. So I can't do it. Yeah, you can. I remember when I was in seventh grade, we had a shop class. I think it was a metals class. And there are like 115 rules. And we had to write them back verbatim or we couldn't work on the machines. What do you think we did? We did. I mean, some of them I can still remember today. Amen. Place the chuck key in the chuck. Tighten the chuck. <laughs> I mean, completely worthless to me now. But, I mean, that was a long time ago. If we could memorize 115 rules to work on some heavy machinery, can we not memorize the Word of God to be victorious in life. Yes. Yes. When the Bible speaks of storing up the Word of God in Proverbs, that's what we're talking about here, not just reading it. And yes, the Holy Ghost can bring back to your remembrance anything you read or exposed to, but that's beside the point. You want to intentionally program yourself for success. Memorize it. Number three, speak the code out purposefully and consistently. Find out what the code says. Fill your heart with the code. Speak the code out purposefully and consistently no matter what you feel, no matter what you're hearing, no matter what other people are doing. And watch the key here, consistently. That's where the power lies. Anybody can speak the Word of God for a day or two. But when you go months or even years and don't see a single manifestation, are you still going to continue on the Word of God? Or are you going to say stupid things like, well, this faith stuff doesn't work? Oh, it's working for you all the time. In fact, you went from hell to heaven, darkness to light, defeat to victory with your mouth. It works. The greatest miracle you ever have, it worked. It still works, but there are other factors involved in your receiving. So find out what the code says, read and study. Fill your heart with the code, meditate and memorize. Speak the code out purposefully and consistently. Speak and keep on speaking. Does it work? Mm-hmm. Woman with an issue of blood, the Bible says she what? Comes out of her house, hears about Jesus, spent all her money. Did she get better? Well, she got worse. And she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, she said and kept saying, I will be made whole. And when she got a hold of his garment, what happened? Virtue came out. Um, it had been interesting to follow her along just to see how often she said it and how deliberate she was. Um, woman petitioned Jesus to bring healing to her daughter. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Do you know how many Christians today would get puffed up and offended right there and turn on a dime and walk out and go out and tell stories about that preacher? Can you believe what that preacher said to me? Can you believe that? He told me I was a dog. That would be their interpretation. Amen. But that's not what he was saying at all. It's not right to take what first belongs to the household of faith and the covenant people. Amen. And give it to the dogs. And what did she say? 
I'm telling you that that's one of the things you have to fight in your life is this temptation to get offended every time you turn around over what they heard or they said or what happened or what didn't happen. This offense will block you. Right, That could have been the end right there of the life of her daughter. But what did she do? She said, yes, Lord. I don't hear any offense in that language. Yes, Lord, but even little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. You know what she's saying? Just give us a crumb and it'll heal my daughter. Not an ounce of offense in that discourse. Now, I'm not just going to say this to you. I want you to know something. The woman with an issue of blood and the Syrophoenician woman didn't have one one millionth of the training that you and I have tonight on our words. And yet they were able to get, you know, results from that. You and I have been blessed to be in a day where revelation is being poured out like water. That said, we're responsible to live to that standard and make sure that we don't mess up on this. If it worked for the woman with an issue of blood, if it worked for the Syrophoenician, it's going to work for you. Amen? Say it with me. Even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. What did Jesus say? You remember? He said, because of what you said. He said, what? Because of what you said. Your daughter as well. Wow. What a great God we serve. Amen. Come on, say, what a great God we serve. Give him a hand clap and thank him if you can receive this tonight.